This morning's reading comes from the book of Genesis, where we meet some of the four parents of our faith for the first time. Listen closely with open hearts and minds to how their blessings still ripple through our lives here and now. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Abram left just as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all of their possessions, and those who became members of their household in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as the sacred place at Shishem, at the Oak of Morah. The Canaanites lived in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I give this land to your descendants. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there, he traveled towards that mountains east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There, he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped in Lord's name. Then Abram set out towards the arid southern plain, making and breaking camp as he went. the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. we're going to be hearing about promises today, covenants in our sermon. And last night I made a promise that I have to fulfill now. Many of us remember our former seminarian, Jazz, who is now a member in discernment with our congregation. And she's working in children's ministry at United Church in Walpole. Last night, Jazz's pastor got sick with a stomach bug. And so Jazz found out that she would be preaching this morning. It's a very daunting task, even for a long-time pastor, to find out, not even 24 hours beforehand, that you will be offering a sermon. Now, her church happened to be hearing the same Bible story that we just heard today, and so I sent her my then mostly finished sermon with an invitation to use it however the Spirit led her, and a request to pray for our sibling congregation as we ponder these lessons together. And I promised her that we would pray for her church, pondering the same stories that we are. 
So will you now join me in a prayer for our collective pondering? Loving God, you call us up to so many daunting tasks sometimes. You ask us to follow you into the unfamiliar. You ask us to follow the promise of your blessings and companionship and inspiration. God, we ask today that we might have the courage to follow your lead. We ask, God, that the wisdom that you have poured out through the generations might fall on us today so that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts might be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the story Priya just read to us is the first story in which we meet Abraham, who at this point still goes by Abram, and Sarah, his wife. These may be familiar characters to you, or at least the stories about them might be familiar. Sarah was the infertile woman who laughed when God told her at the age of 90 that she would soon bear a child. Abraham, the man who God asked to sacrifice his son, but then intervened the last moment. Anytime we talk about welcoming strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares, we're talking about Abraham and Sarah and some unexpected dinner guests that they hosted. The stories of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah long misinterpreted in an attempt to justify homophobia is a story that is framed by Abraham's indignant negotiations with God on behalf of the citizens of those cities. But none of those stories have happened yet when we meet Abraham and Sarah. We know their end, but this is just their beginning. Now throughout Sarah and Abraham's whole story, weaves the thread of their faith in God and their commitment to their relationship with God. Having this kind of faith doesn't mean that they weren't sad as they packed up their belongings and said goodbye to the friendships and memories of their hometown to venture off to an unknown land. It just means that they were willing to trust God that that new land would have friendships and memories to make. It doesn't mean that Abraham wasn't a bit apprehensive at the prospect of being circumcised. It doesn't mean that he wasn't terrified and confused by the request to sacrifice his son. It just means that he trusted God and trusted God's promises. Having faith in God, being committed to the relationship with God doesn't mean obeying God mindlessly or even gladly. You can obey reluctantly. Even Abraham was angry and defiant when God revealed a plan to destroy the sister cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, his righteous indignation flaring as he argued and bargained with God to spare the city, even if there was just one good person in it. What Abraham and Sarah's faith in God meant was that they were committed to that relationship with God. It meant that they trusted God's promises, even, even when those promises were as laughable as the idea of Sarah bearing a child well into her 90s. And the promise, one of the promises that we heard in the story that Priya read, 
is that God says that, he, that God will bless Abraham so that Abraham himself will become a blessing. That his life will be so well lived that his very existence will be a blessing to his community, to all the families of the world even. Now this is the only version of trickle-down economy that I can get behind. The idea that God endows us with a blessing that ripples ever outwards. A blessing that empowers us to live in such a way, to live in such a way that our good deeds, our witness, our hospitality, are themselves blessings to any community that we are a part of. That we are blessed is God's promise to us. That we are a blessing is how we honor God's promise. As our purpose team has been collecting the stories of this congregation and wider community, it's been such a joy to get to read through the transcripts and learn or be reminded of all of the ways that United Parish has been a blessing to others. Providing physical and spiritual nourishment through potlucks, hosting the food pantry, giving out stop and shop gift cards, offering abundant welcome to those who might have been excluded. Our rainbow chairs, our trans pride flag, the way that we affirm every week that whoever you are, you are welcome here and you are loved. The way we empower people with a sense of purpose and dignity, calling on each of us to use our gifts for the community, for the work of God in this world. How this church creates intentional opportunities to share gifts and be affirmed. How, how all of you devote dedicated service to the wider world. And the way that this church simply exists as a place to come and know that you are seen and loved just as you are. These are just some of the many blessings that this church offers to the community. And as the purpose team synthesizes all of the responses, which they began on sat yesterday at their closing retreat, the fundamental question that they are addressing is, how is God calling us to be a blessing moving forward? Where is God calling us to go, figuratively or literally? And the practical, subsequent questions, what is God calling us to pack up, to carry with us? And what are we being asked to leave behind as we journey onward, like Sarah and Abraham, to fulfill our covenant? Now it's normal for questions like that to raise a little bit of anxiety, even as they might inspire our imaginations with hope and creativity. It is an anxious time to be alive right now. Am I right? Has anyone here had just a moment this week where you might have felt a little anxious? Anyone else? If you don't have your hand raised, 